and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the Vatican's immigration warfare against the United States of America. The Vatican's immigration warfare against the United States of America. Folks, this situation is very rapidly progressing in our country and over in Europe as well. It's really unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how much longer we have as a nation. Uh, and, And who knows what's going to happen here in 2024, especially if President Trump is not reelected, I think, He's about the only politician who would at least slow down the uh, rapid takeover of the United States of America. This open borders warfare that has gone on where they're just bringing in millions and millions of these migrants that are being brought in. And if you study some of the cases, they're they're talking about how now they're trying to talk people into allowing the migrants to come and live in their homes And they had a case of a woman up in uh, Massachusetts who agreed to this. And they showed the so-called migrant family that had come in. And these were people who didn't look like migrants at all. I mean, they were wearing designer clothing. They looked like they were well-to-do people. They didn't look like refugees at all. Uh, These refugees, most of them now. There are some families, there are some women and children, but that's really a small percentage. Most of them we've heard over and over and over again are fighting age males, age 18 to 45 or so. There are exceptions, of course, but that's the the vast majority of them. And you've got people who are very, very suspicious, especially the guys that work down on the border. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this today Uh, And of course, you guys have noticed I have not done a Noise of Thunder radio episode for several weeks. And the reason is because I have just been focused on editing our new film, American Jesuits, bringing it to that completion point. We are almost there. Our projection now is to be able to ship copies in March next month. Uh, And that's a very, very realistic expectation. We've already been setting it up with the duplicator. But the uh, it, for those who have pre-ordered the film, you're going to get a lot more information. Right now, the film is right at about two and a half hours. I'm trying to make sure we don't go to three hours. Uh, but it's it's a it's a good lengthy presentation. Of course, most of our films are. There's lots of information. You're going to learn a lot of things about the Jesuit order through the 19th and 20th centuries that most people don't know. And we're going to show you the uh, really how the plan, the Vatican's plan and the Jesuit plan back during the American Civil War 
to try and really destroy our republic because that was their ambition to destroy our republic during the time of the civil war we're going to show you how that plan unfolded what happened i've already i i've already kind of tested the waters talking to people about some of this information people have no idea what went on and when when we show it to you and we document it for you you're it's all going to suddenly make sense as to what is happening today that what's happening today with our southern border is a continuation of what went on during the american civil war that's what it is it's a it's a modern continuation of it it's plan b plan a did not work out for the uh, vatican and the powers of europe that didn't work, so they've gone to plan B. Plan B is to try and invade our country with all of these immigrants. And they're not trying, they're doing it right now. But here's something that I wanted to point out. A new story that I saw, and this is something that a lot of us have been waiting for. This is, uh, this is very, very disturbing. And when I say waiting for it, what I mean by that is, we knew that things were moving in this direction. Anybody who grew up back in the 1970s and 80s, if you saw the film Dr. Zhivago, which is about the communist takeover of Russia, where Zhivago goes off to war, he was this doctor, he had a nice home with his family, he goes off to war, when he comes back now, communism has completely taken over the country, and he walks into his house, and his wife and his family's there, but then there's also several other families living in his home. And the communist leaders come in and they tell him that his home was big enough for more than one family. And uh, so they've moved people into his home. And he really doesn't have any choice because that's what happens under communism. That's why it's one of the reasons why they abolish private property. So you don't have control over your own house anymore. The state does, and they decide who's going to live in your home. This is why both the Third and Fourth Amendment are so important in our Constitution, folks. It's also why Castle Doctrine is so important. Why the writings of Sir Edward Cook, Sir Edward Cook, who developed the Petition of Right of 1628, Sir Edward Cook, who said a man's home is his castle for his protection and his defense as well as his repose. In English law, it was always the case. Well, it was certainly since the time of the Reformation and since the time of uh, Sir Edward Cook uh, and, and that whole generation forward that private property was protected from the government. The government did not have the right to violate a person's private property. That's why we have the tradition here. Okay? That's why. Well, now we have a story here. And I saw this on InfoWars. They picked it up from the Daily Mail. But the headline on InfoWars is, quote, elderly UK couple ordered to sell home to house migrants. This elderly couple over in the UK got a letter telling them that basically their property is going to be given to migrants. They need to, they need to get out supposedly. Now the story is a little bit more complicated than that when you go and get the whole story, 
But let me play you just some of the audio of a discussion from a journalist interviewing this elderly couple and listen to some of the dialogue about what's happened, the letter that came to them. And I'm reading this off the Daily Mail website. Let me just read you part of this letter. The letter that they got says this, quote, the resettlement team at North North Hampshire Council supports asylum seekers and refugees across three different projects, homes for Ukraine, Afghan resettlement and asylum dispersal. At present, we are seeing a considerable increase in positive immigration decisions being made in favor of asylum seekers, mainly single men. That's what it says. Asylum seekers, mainly single men. This is back to what we're hearing coming through the Mexican border. There's mainly fighting age men are the ones. These are the so-called asylum seekers. And it goes on from there. All right. So let me play you some of the audio from this elderly couple there in the UK uh, and their discussion with a journalist. Here it is. Listen. So this letter was from the council and yeah. you got this on the 12th of January. You moved in in November, didn't you? Yeah. And, and, and you got this letter. Just just spell out what this letter says. That letter says that they, because the property is derelict, that they can compulsory purchase it. If there's any repairs to be done in it, they could take it off the price of the property. Yeah. And these properties are for migrants of... It's absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? And how did you feel when you got a letter? You've moved into your new wonderful home, you settle down, law-abiding citizens, and you get a compulsory purchase order from the council accusing you of occupying a derelict home. How did you feel when you got this? After paying 200,000 for it, it didn't feel very well. No. It's, it's for the immigrant and not indigenous population. Illegal migrants get paid 50,000 pounds. They get spent on them 50,000 pounds per annum, per head. And here we have the evidence of it in this letter. They wanted your lovely new home. Unbelievable. Okay, so that gives you an overview of what's happening over there, at least with this... uh, with this elderly couple. Now, as a follow-up to this, if you read the whole story, apparently once they communicated with the council and complained about this, the council has said that they made a mistake somehow uh, and uh, that they're sorry that, that they got that letter, that they were troubled by it. But they're also saying that the apology that they've given does not go far enough. We're not sure exactly what that means just yet. This story will be one to watch for people over in the UK and people right here in the United States of America. Because what they are doing in Western Europe and in the UK is what they are planning to do right here in the United States. Remember, the UK journalist Katie Hopkins warned about two years before it began in the United States. She was at a conservative gathering here in the US and she was talking about how the schools over in the UK were transitioning children, boys to girls and girls to boys in the schools without parental consent. 
And she said at the time, this is coming to the United States of America. They're planning to do the same thing in the U.S. And within about two years, at least based on my recollection, that's when it began. The open borders problem has only just begun. They have flooded our country with millions and millions of these illegals that they brought in. And now it's now they're trying to get people to volunteer to accept these migrants in their homes. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens as the migrants come into people's homes and how long they stay there. Right now, the people who are saying yes to this I've seen at least one story where a woman welcomed a migrant family into her home and everything appears to be very positive and this sort of thing right now. It should be interesting to see what's going to happen six months and a year from now, maybe two years. Are these migrants going to then leave the homes that they've been welcomed into? And where will they go? And who will pay for it? And how's all that going to work? Or are there going to be situations where the migrants do not leave they stay in the home and then the homeowners can't get them out, you know, and the courts won't allow them uh, to to expel the migrants from their homes. It, 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 again, we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have to wait and see. But it's obvious that the direction that this communist movement is headed is to completely abolish private property. They've already told us through their commercial ads and this kind of thing what World Economic Forum and the globalist powers are planning to do. They're, they've already told us, you'll own nothing, you'll pay rent, and supposedly you're going to be perfectly happy. How are people going to own nothing? I believe this is a step in that direction. They are moving things in the direction of a Dr. Zhivago type scenario right here in the United States of America. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a commercial break. Now, the title of this program has to do with the Vatican's involvement, the Vatican's immigration warfare. And I am convinced that that's what is going on, because the number one player in this whole illegal immigration game of uh, irredentism, which is immigration warfare, is Rome and the Catholic bishops and the Jesuits right here in America. And I'm going to play you some audio when we come back from the break, and you're going to listen to a Catholic bishop explain Catholic social teaching and how they have a right, so they believe, to violate our border laws. And we're going to listen to this when we come back from the break right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our republic was from the Deists, or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence 
just before signing the Declaration of Independence. Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, The True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Thanks for staying with the program today. Uh, We are going over the Vatican's immigration warfare against the United States of America. And that's really what I believe this is. As we're going to show you in this new documentary, American Jesuits, many people don't realize what happened during the American Civil War. We have a whole section on the American Civil War, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, which was really just one event. A lot of Americans don't realize today what was going on south of the border. Now, there is a book that we are quoting in the film called An Inquiry into the Assassination of Abraham Lincoln by a Catholic priest in the 20th century named Emmett McLaughlin. And he really became an ex-Catholic priest. But he published this book back in... 1963, that's it, 1963. And he obviously agreed with the writings of Charles Chinnike, the Catholic priest who knew Abraham Lincoln, because when he's writing about the assassination of Lincoln, he has right on the uh, one of the early pages a, uh, a drawing of John Surratt, the son of Mary Surratt, uh, dressed as a papal zouave, one of the pope's soldiers during that time. And uh, we explain all of that to you in the film. But anyway, that's part of what he talks about. But then he has a chapter, chapter four in his book. Chapter four is called Conspiracy South of the Border. Conspiracy South of the Border. He says, quote, it is impossible to grasp the relationship between Rome and Washington, Vatican and presidency ecclesiastical power and secular strength without viewing what was taking place south of the Rio Grande. The ultimate aims of their Catholic apostolic majesties, including the conniving empresses and Pope Pius IX, as well as Secretary of State Cardinal Antonelli, 
were summarized by the historian A.R. Turner Turnour, right? And he talks about the occupation of Mexico by the French army under uh, the Emperor Napoleon III, who was in charge of France at that time. He was in cahoots with Pope Pius IX, and then they were in cahoots with the monarchy in Austria, who set up one of their guys, Maximilian I, to become the new emperor in Mexico, in the country of Mexico, just south of our border. This is back in the 1860s. And this was all part of a greater plan to create a Roman Catholic empire from Mexico up through the United States to include Texas, California, and potentially all the way up to Canada. All right, this was the plan. So what they did was they literally had the French army invade Mexico to take it over. Now, the original plan was they were going to get control of Mexico and then from Mexico send French troops up into the southern part of the U.S. to help the Confederacy defeat Lincoln and the Union. Now, their purpose wasn't really so much that they loved the Confederacy, although, as we show in the film, the Pope was the only world leader to officially acknowledge Jefferson Davis as the president of the Confederate States of America. And we even show you the letter in the film. And this, this is all real history. But the purpose of it was to help the Confederacy. And you had all these Catholics involved in the Confederacy that a lot of people don't know about today. Uh, but we go over that in the film. And to use the Confederacy really to defeat Lincoln, that was part of the plan. And from there to really destroy the United States of America. That was their ambition. It wasn't so much that they loved the Confederacy. They wanted to use it as an instrument to destroy the United States. That was their plan. And that's what Emmett McLaughlin talks about here. Also, we have quotes from General Thomas Maley Harris, who was a Union general who served on the committee that investigated the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, we go over all of that with you. I mean, this is this is powerful information. Now, I'm not going to go over all of it on the program today, simply because I want, want you guys to be able to see it in the film and all the details. But what actually happened was the French army invaded Mexico. They tried to conquer Mexico, but were stopped short at the historic Battle of Puebla in 1862. The Battle of Puebla. On May the 5th, 1862, the Mexican army, to everyone's surprise, actually defeated the French army that invaded. And this is the reason why every year you have the celebration Cinco de Mayo. A lot of people don't know that, but that's the reason Cinco de Mayo is celebrated, the 5th of May, because of the defeat of the French army that invaded Mexico. Now, what happens is afterwards, they have a temporary victory. They stop them short. But what happened was they delayed the French by about a year. And so that prevented France and the Pope from getting military aid to the Confederacy to help them fight the North. This is part of, I mean, if you go and you start looking this up online, 
you find historians who speculate what would have happened if the Mexicans had lost and the French army had continued. Could that have turned the tide of the Civil War? That's a question people ask anyway. But that didn't happen. They were defeated at uh, the Battle of Puebla. They came back later on and won at the Second Battle of Puebla. And then they took Mexico City and they installed their emperor, Maximilian I, this Austrian guy. Because they wanted this to be a European monarchy in Mexico that would then stretch up into the rest of North America. But this was a violation of the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine from James Monroe was to the powers of Europe, don't try to colonize in North America. Remember, we had, we had had a number of wars. We had the French and Indian War. We'd fought the Spanish. Uh, we, then, of course, we fought England. So we'd already fought European powers over this territory and claimed it and basically said to the powers of Europe, look, this is the United States. This is our country. It's our territory. Keep out. You can come here and visit and send some tourists, but don't try to colonize here. Now, what's happening is 150 years later, according to Charles Chinnike, Chinnike wrote two books, 50 Years in the Church of Rome. That's where he describes the assassination of Lincoln, along with his life as a Catholic priest and so on. Then he wrote another book afterwards called 40 Years in the Church of Christ. In that book, this is where he goes into more detail about the attempt to invade America through Mexico. Okay, and the purpose being to destroy the United States of America. That's the purpose is really to destroy our republic because they hate the idea of a government of the people, by the people and for the people. That is what they hate. I believe they also hate the fact that when Samuel Adams signed the Declaration of Independence, he said, I trust from this day forward, the reign of political Protestantism shall commence because they know that our government is based on the principles of Protestantism. And so that is uh, that just doesn't sit well with the powers in Rome. Now, Chinnike in his writings then goes on to warn that there was a meeting of Catholic bishops who basically came up with Plan B. The French invasion didn't work, so Plan B is to flood our country with Catholic immigrants and send them into the major cities primarily, and then from there to get control of the country eventually. And really for the last hundred years and more, that is what Rome has been trying to do. And, and that's what she's been doing. That's why so many Catholic immigrants came from Ireland back in the late 19th century. And then into the 20th century, you had so many that were coming in through uh, New York and so on. Now, I have, to, I have to be honest, I have to make full disclosure here. My father's side of the family, uh, my grandfather came into this country who was Catholic, came from a Catholic background, came from Sicily in the early part of the 20th century. So yes, my father's family were Catholic immigrants from Sicily, and then my grandmother was from Italy, her family. So yes, we, you know, half my family are Catholic immigrants. 
So we have nothing against Catholic immigrants, but of course they came here, they obeyed the laws, they respected our constitutional republic. My father served in the U.S. military 23 years in the U.S. Army, as I've told you guys before. Now on my mother's side of the family, I've talked about my grandfather Ziggy, Zygmunt Zadarowski. He was our adopted grandfather. He had come from Poland. He was also Catholic. Uh, my biological family on my mother's side were the Bowens. My grandfather's last name was Bowen, and my grandmother's maiden name was Pullen. So the Bowens and the Pullens actually uh, came from England and Wales back in either the 1700s, I've traced them back that far, possibly earlier. But at least by the 1700s, we had family members that served during the time of the American Revolution. But again, they came over from Wales and from England, northern England, from what I understand, uh, the Pullins. But anyway, uh, I've never gone and gotten all the details on that. I've just kind of seen an overview of the, the history of those family names. But anyway, uh, so, so I have Catholic immigrants in my family. I don't think anybody is really against Catholic immigrants. Nobody's against legal immigrants coming into the country. The problem is the massive flood of illegal immigrants that are being brought in deliberately by the Jesuit Joe Biden and by the Jesuit Mayorkas, okay? Mayorkas, who's been impeached now, thankfully, is a Jesuit through and through. You research that guy, he's a Jesuit. And he is doing this on behalf of Rome. There is no question. This is all part of the Vatican's agenda that goes back 100 years, more than 100 years. And because nobody is willing, at least not in the mainstream, nobody's willing to call them out. Nobody's willing to confront them. Uh, there have been a few people like Steve Bannon has, in at least one interview, he's confronted, even though Steve Bannon is Catholic, he's confronted the Catholic hierarchy because he knows that they are behind a lot of this illegal immigration. Now, what I want to do is play some audio. This is from EWTN, the Catholic channel, and they interview the Catholic bishop, Bishop Mark Seitz, S-E-I-T-Z, who I believe is a Jesuit. He's not a Jesuit priest, but you find him being interviewed on the AMDG podcast, Breaking Bread and Borders with Bishop Mark Seitz on the Jesuit Border podcast, okay? So at Jesuits.org. Breaking Bread and Borders. Borders. Just think of how bold they are. Oh, we're just breaking the border. And uh, they have a picture of uh, Bishop Seitz wearing a rainbow uh, scarf around his, uh, his neck, which kind of gives you, although it, it, I guess it could look like it's Mexican. Maybe that's it but definitely pro-Mexico, pro-illegal immigrant. And you're going to hear here from this interview, when I play this interview for you, you're going to hear them because there's a Catholic host, a woman, and then this Catholic bishop openly declaring that they believe they have a right to bring illegal immigrants into our country because that's what the Pope says 
they can do. All right, here it is. Listen. Joining us now is Bishop Mark Seitz of the Diocese of El Paso, Texas, and the chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Migration. Your Excellency, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, the topic of migration certainly uh, seems to be a hot-button topic in the United States and is even causing a divide. However, uh, Catholic social teaching has been rather clear on its stance on the issue. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, you're right. Catholic social teaching, of course, is just an elaboration of what we find in the gospel. As a matter of fact, for those who went to Mass today or read today's uh, gospel reading, we have a pretty good example of Jesus' teaching. Uh, The question comes to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then he gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. So that is the basis for everything we do. Uh, As Catholic Christians, we try to set aside some of our own, you know, inbuilt kind of fears of the person that we don't know so that we can uh, do what Jesus has called us to do. And we find that when we uh, take the risk, if you will, and follow him, that very often there are great blessings in that experience. Yeah, and uh, St. Pope John Paul II said that we should defend against, you know, the unjust restriction of migration and give attention to the rights of migrants, even those doing so illegally. Um, that being said, how do we adhere to that uh, when the volume of migrants and their needs really seem to be stretching many cities thin? Uh, we heard from Mayor Eric Adams in New York, and then also the mayor of your city in El Paso recently said that they've reached the breaking point. So how do we find a balance? Well, we have to do things smart, right? Uh, we're not going to serve people well if we're not really trying to think about big picture issues and and trying to uh, adapt the flow in such a way that we can do it in an orderly manner and that people can go to places that have expressed a real need for people to help them in in various jobs that are going unfilled. Uh, We've been simply sending people to uh, places like New York uh, that have, as they say, reached their capacity uh, and uh, not thinking about how we might help migrants find places where, in fact, they will have a better reception, an opportunity to work and to live, which is all they really, really want. Okay, so you heard the uh, what I consider to be Jesuitical sophistry from both the Catholic reporter uh, who's interviewing this bishop and the bishop himself. If you research this guy, you'll see that even though he's not apparently a member of the Jesuit order per se, there are videos where he's closely associated with Jesuits online. There's even one where he's giving a presentation to uh, Boston College, which is a Jesuit institution. So he has that association. And the Jesuits, of course, are right in the middle of this whole illegal immigration movement because this is the continuation of a program that the Vatican initiated over 100 years ago to try and get control of the United States of America. That is what they are working to do. And now they are using this slow, steady immigration tactic. But somewhere here, once they got Joe Biden into the White House, they've just decided to open the floodgates and try and get as many people in here as possible. 
so let's address very quickly, and then I want to talk about this story with uh, Governor Greg Abbott and the Constitution. Very quickly, the bishop's claim about being a good Samaritan and that supposedly the message of the good Samaritan, notice how everything is wrapped with, uh, oh, we're just promoting the gospel and the message of Jesus and being a good Samaritan. That's why they're bringing in illegal aliens into our country, supposedly. There's nothing in the parable of the good Samaritan that has anything to do with illegal immigration or the idea that the illegals who are really guilty of committing crimes are somehow or other in the position of the victim of the parable, who is a man. If you go to Luke chapter 10, that's where we find the parable. Okay. Where in uh, verse 30, we read, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, a man went down from Jerusalem. Uh, what that is generally understood to mean is that he was Jewish. He was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem into Jericho. Jericho at that point and for generations was seen as a very treacherous area. If you read the commentaries on it, uh, it was uh, said to be a haunt of thieves and robbers and bandits and so on, uh, that there were caves and there, there was kind of a, you know, a rocky, rough terrain and, and wilderness around it. So it was a place where it was easy for bandits to hide and lie in wait for people traveling by. It was sometimes called the, uh, according to one commentary, the red or bloody land because of all the blood that was shed by robbers against innocent people passing through. All right, so the person who's being attacked by thieves is not a criminal. He's not an illegal alien. He's not breaking the law. There's no laws that he's breaking. The people who are breaking the law are the bandits who attack him. All right, so then verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side, meaning that they just basically saw the guy and moved around him. Now, the priest and the Levite are presumably Jewish, just like he is. So this is one of their fellow Jewish citizens who has been set upon by thieves, been beaten up, left for dead, and they're seeing their fellow citizen, their fellow Jew there, and they refuse to help him. They just move on. Verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Okay, and then the story goes on from there. So let's just talk about the relationships here. You have a Jewish man traveling. 
He's set upon by thieves and bandits and so on. Uh, they, they beat him, strip him, leave him for dead. Then two other Jewish citizens, one a priest, another one a Levite, pass by him and they do nothing. They're, they're, they're apathetic about what's happened to him. And here a foreigner, a Samaritan, really, and the Samaritans were from the northern kingdom. This goes back to the division between the north and the south. After Solomon passed away, uh, God had said he was going to give ten parts of the kingdom to Jeroboam. They had a civil war. So Jeroboam takes the north, and Solomon's son Rehoboam continues in the south, which was called from that point Judah in the south, and then the north was called either Samaria or Israel. And so the Samaritans now, what Jeroboam did was he set up the alternative temple, which was against God's law. God punished him severely for it. And there they began worshiping the golden calves, and they blended the worship of the golden calves, apparently, with the worship of the Lord. And so they were seen as apostates with a corrupted faith. That's why the Jews in Judah looked down upon the Samaritans. And yet, so here's what's happening. You, you have a priest and a Levite who know the law of God, and they should know better than to abandon one of their own people. They should reach out and help this man, try to find a way to help him, but they don't. They just passed by. So all the theology that they had was not such that they would reach out and help somebody who had been wrongly harmed by these bandits and their own countrymen at that. Okay. But a Samaritan had compassion on him and helps him. Now, this bishop is trying to suggest that the parable of the Good Samaritan somehow or other applies to this situation of illegal immigration and that uh, we as a country are supposed to just be taking tens of millions and millions and millions, an unending train of uh, immigrants with cell phones and designer clothing uh, who are supposedly the equivalent of this Jewish man who was set upon by thieves. Now, I, I'm going to argue that there's, there's nothing to support what the Catholic Church is and the Catholic hierarchy is arguing about illegal immigration. Nothing in the story of the Good Samaritan. It's actually quite the opposite. Because the bandits are these illegals who are coming into our country. They're coming and they are basically robbing the resources of the American people, which they are not entitled to. And they're going into neighborhoods, they're going into towns and cities and so on, and they are committing many, many crimes against the American people. It's the American people who are in the position of the guy set upon by thieves. They're the ones who are being raped, robbed, murdered, killed in these vehicular homicide situations. They're the ones who are being victimized by these illegal bandits that are being brought in. And what's happening? What are their fellow countrymen when Americans are, being, are suffering at the hands of these criminal bandits that are coming in? How do their fellow Americans respond? 
Do they respond in a charitable manner? No, not at all. Uh, you, you, you look at how uh, people who have suffered, how the families and the victims of these illegal aliens who have suffered, how do uh, uh, all of our leaders, how do the Democrat leaders treat them? Just like the Levite and the priest, they walk right past them. We could care less. You, you, were, you were killed by uh, your, your family member, your loved one was killed by an illegal alien. Well, who cares? They just walk right by. Okay, you, you, you were victimized by the illegals. We're not interested. Doesn't matter. We don't care. They don't care about any of that. Even the news media pays very little attention to the thousands and thousands of U.S. citizens, tens of thousands of U.S. citizens who have been victimized by illegal immigration into our country. So the news media pays no attention to it. They put all of their focus on the bandits, on the illegals, the criminals who are breaking the law. And let's bear in mind, border laws are not some strange, unusual law that America came up with. Every nation on the earth has border laws. It's part of the common laws of all the nations of the earth. It's a common law issue. So the story of the Good Samaritan really does not support in any way what these... Uh, bishops are telling us not at all all right so but you can hear all the stuff about catholic uh, social teaching catholic really social justice or socialism and we're gonna we, we have a whole section in the new film where we're going to show you right from the word go how the jesuits and ultimately the vatican developed social justice socialism and communism back in the 19th century, and we show you the origins of it. We show you also that the association of Rome with communism and socialism is not something that is some new relationship. This goes back to the very beginning of it in the 19th century, okay? And we show you one quote after another after another from ministers and historians and researchers back in the 19th century who saw what was happening. And I think it's very, very important because people are acting today. They, they find out that Pope Francis is a communist and they're all surprised. They're, they're shocked that he's a communist. Uh, uh, they, they find America Magazine promoting communism, the Jesuit magazine, and they're shocked. Uh, and the only reason anybody's shocked, the only people who are shocked are people who don't know history. If you know the history, then you know that uh, that is simply all part of Rome's agenda that goes back more than 150 years where communism is concerned. All right, so let's look at this post from uh, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas. Governor Abbott, I keep hearing mixed reviews on Governor Abbott. Some people say he's, he's ultimately going to support the World Economic Forum. Other people say, no, he's a patriot who's pushing back against the flood of illegals coming through Texas. So here's a post on Twitter or X rather that says uh, it's by Greg Abbott. He says Texas has the constitutional right to defend itself from invasion. What Texas is doing is exactly what James Madison said would be protected by the Constitution. 
And here's the what it says in the post, quote, one of the most crucial rights granted in the U.S. Constitution is a state's ability to secure its own border. James Madison, the father of the Constitution, emphasized that Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 would allow Virginia's state militia, quote, to be called forth to suppress smugglers who had endangered their state. Smugglers are basically illegals. They, they smuggle stuff into your territory. And of course, the drug smugglers, that's what they're doing. They are smuggling drugs. So that's the primary, uh, they're, they're smuggling drugs. They're also smuggling people with human trafficking. So to suppress smugglers, I think that fits perfectly the situation they're dealing with. Uh, and we could even argue that the Democratic Party is smuggling illegal voters into our country by bringing them in because they don't just want to bring them in. They want to bring them in and give them the right to vote. So um, Governor Abbott's post continues. He says, quote, those smugglers were bringing contraband into the state and threatened the sovereignty of Virginia's borders. Madison knew that states must have the means to defend themselves. John Marshall reinforced this right held by states. He, too, was an important advocate for ratifying the Constitution and later a chief justice on the Supreme Court. Marshall explained that Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 clearly proves that the states can use the militia when they find it necessary to respond to an invasion or imminent danger. Today, Texas faces a similar but starker threat than Virginia smugglers, with Mexican drug cartels that operate as paramilitary forces on our border. The criminal smuggling activity faced by Texas far exceeds Madison's criteria for use of a state militia. We completely agree with that. He finally says, quote, we will continue to build barriers that deny illegal entry into our state, arrest immigrants that cross illegally, and fulfill our duty to secure our border. So, I, I hope, I see, I like, I have always liked Governor Greg Abbott. I hear that he has these globalist leanings, which I hope is not true. But uh, even if it is true, you know, what he's doing right now, if he's protecting the border now, I think Americans should support him now. I mean, really, what else can you do? Uh, hopefully, uh, somebody's going to find a way to turn this whole thing around. If perhaps Trump gets elected, if we can get a fair and legal, honest election, uh, then I think Trump will be elected overwhelmingly against Joe Biden, despite what the naysayers are saying. I think he's going to get a, a, a huge majority. All they've done by attacking him is to show that the globalists and the deep state in Washington consider Trump to be a threat. I still don't think that four years, a, another four-year Trump administration is not going to solve all the problems of our country any more than the first four years did. That's my opinion. But I'd rather have Trump in there than somebody like Biden, uh, at least 
a Trump administration will, I think, slow down the radical left progression in our country and and hopefully prevent us from going over the cliff into full-blown socialism and communism. Although right now you've got people arguing that we already live in a communist country based upon how the courts are operating, based upon how the deep state and the government and, and everything else is operating. Some people argue that we are full-blown communism. Now, I don't agree with that. The reason I don't agree with it is if the communists had complete control, they would not be pushing for further destabilization. You see, once they get complete control, they don't destabilize everything anymore. They crack down and they demand law and order and everybody has to be obedient. So if, if they were fully in control of the country, they would not be allowing this open border situation. The reason they're doing it is because they need more destabilization. They need to build up a foreign population in our country to counter constitutional Americans who believe in our heritage, our history and our faith in order to overturn our culture and our history, they need to bring in foreigners who cannot relate to that history and then teach an alternative history to them. Uh, that's, I believe, where they're headed with all of this. Okay, so we are running out of time. And uh, we're coming to the end of this program. I just want to follow up once more on the new film on American Jesuits, we are beginning to export the sections of the film because I have to edit in different sections because the film is so long. Right now, the shortest it will be is two and a half hours by the time everything's out. That's the shortest. It will probably go beyond that by the time we do titles and intro and stuff like that. Um, so over two and a half hours at this point, but you're going to have lots and lots of information. You're going to have a lot of detailed quotes, some stuff that I've just never seen anybody put together in a documentary that had to do with Rome and the Jesuit order. I've just not seen it done yet. But uh, And that's what I wanted it to be. I want it to be a unique presentation so that you'll learn things you didn't know and the history that's being presented I was watching different sections of it, and I thought, you know, you could show this, homeschoolers could show this to their kids, because I've got different historic events with archived film footage of these events, especially surrounding World War II, things that people don't know about World War II or that they've forgotten. They've forgotten it because they're not teaching it anymore, and they're very, very important things that happened. And I don't want to go into too many details, but you're going to see and you're going to see it from a perspective that most people have not considered, but it's thoroughly documented. So I'm excited about it. Be very interested to hear the responses from our audience once they've had a chance to see it. We hope that you'll continue in prayer for the project. We thank you sincerely, all those who have supported us along the way. And we praise the Lord for you. And we just hope and pray that this film will be a blessing to many people. 
and also be a warning to the American church about having a relationship with Rome. Uh, and, and we hope hearken to the warning of scripture, which is come out of her, my people, lest she be partaker of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. I would argue that America's joining hands with popery after World War II has everything to do with the uh, many of the problems that we're suffering in our country. The problems of the deep state, the problems of illegal immigration, you can trace these things directly to Rome. But we'll talk more about that as things move forward. In the meantime, we trust the Lord one day at a time. We believe Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. And that's always good news because it demonstrates to us that the word of God is true, which we believe. Praise God. All right, brethren, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We'll stop it there. But we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio. Noise of Thunder Radio.